You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Medical files, and Alhamdulillah, medical files has a varied uh, different types of uh, doctors, uh, you know, joining us. But Alhamdulillah, the doctors on this show have become like family members. And one of them uh, that is uh, very close, uh, dear to me, and I love him purely for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as our very own uh, Dr. Imran Kika. He is a, the member of the provincial legislature. Uh, he's got that education portfolio. If you, if you watch him, if you watch him in media, he takes it so seriously. He'll be talking about issues that really affects uh, the layman, that affects those uh, that uh, the education department is giving uh, problems to. But also he's a GP specializing in Chinese medicine. And inshallah, we'll be talking about uh, that with him. First of all, let me welcome a pious and sagacious ummah with uh, Dr. Imran Kika with a hearty Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And uh, beloved doc, tell me how you're doing this fine, uh, beautiful evening. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Jazakallah for the opportunity, Brother Shafat. Alhamdulillah, I'm doing quite well. I hope you are keeping well. Greetings and assalamu alaikum to the listeners as well. Wa alaikum salam. And uh, doctor, tell me how much of Chinese fruit uh, did you have this evening? I know uh-huh. you love it. You like it. <laughs> I've, been drinking, I've been wetting the fruit, doc. And I can tell you, you I'm like, uh, I'm, my engine is like, you know, it's purring like a V8. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. You know, the, the, the thing that is, uh, I just got hold of some now, some very fresh uh, sour figs, Brother Shabbat. So not so much the Chinese fruit, but some of our Cape fruit, Alhamdulillah. And, uh, you know, with some nice methi masala in it, and, you know, those kinds of things. So that that's that's on the menu today, Alhamdulillah. Why it's, got my, like that, it's got my tongue quite watery, Brother Shafat. Yeah, but uh, you, yes, you, you, you know what, my taste buds are jumping. And I'm sure the whole Ummah. <laughs> so why are you teasing our doctor, Imran Kika? You should like, you know, call us and say the month of Rajab. Come everyone, I'm giving you each one of this. <laughs> hey, the taste must be just unreal. Eh? Alhamdulillah, it's, it's a nice detox, Brother Shafat. It, uh, you know, works the bowels a bit, moistens them a little bit healthy for you at you know so everything in moderation is quite healthy and i thought i needed some after a very stressful week and uh, so while it's tasty on the tongue it's also a little bit exciting for the bowels and gets things moving a bit and 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 so it has dual benefit it's tasty unlike you know uh, telling people they must go and have some castor oil so yeah that that's the nasty stuff so there we go right i'm i'm going to barter with you I'm going to give you that book I wrote on Amadi, that a golden handshake. And you bring me right. that. You know what? I want my bowels to, I want them to move. <laughs> <laughs> Done deal. Done deal. Done deal. Next Dan time deal. I'm in Durban. I was in Durban, you by the way, came. Brother Shafat, uh, on, on Monday. Um, I was there to visit some schools. Uh, so I'm sorry I missed the opportunity. To, to say hello. No, inshallah, next time. Near the, um, you know, I'm in the south coast. It's a Pingo Beach. You know where there's a Pingo Beach, the famous I, I, Darul Ulu. Gee, gee, I was, I was actually, I was very nearby, Brother Shafat. I was on the bluff, close to the bluff. I was in, uh, you know, uh, very, very near there. I should have five minutes away. And, uh, five minutes away, and I should have called and said hello. My, make mouth. No, no, inshallah, we know always be connected and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fill Mam Sharifa's cupboard with Noor. Because, I, I mean, mean, you know, if she was alive, she'd be listening to you this evening, talk. But inshallah, fond memories, yeah. lovely memories of her. And I think that's what the, the dua that Mam gave, 
uh, you and I have, have become brothers, uh, Doc. Alhamdulillah, you know, uh, we, we I ask you to make constant dua for her. Ask the Ummah to make constant dua for her, you know. Um, definitely, not only hers, uh, many people have lost their lives during this pandemic and also through other means and reasons. Allah all the Qubur Nur and elevate the stages in Jannah. May Allah make it possible for us to meet at the pond and beyond, inshallah. I mean, so I mean, and I tell the doctor when I had invite, uh, you know, uh, put up your composites and the Mufti AK Hussain puts it up all the time. And uh, a lot of people, hey, they sent in the questions and it was there before the show. And I said, look at the baraka that this Dr. Imran Kika has. And I'm looking at the first one. It says, uh, I have been intrigued by Chinese medicine. Our Dr. Kika is mashallah too. I believe the burning of herbal leaves on or near the body is a form of treatment. Can doctor explain? This is Suleiman Ba from Swane. I don't know if you know Suleiman Ba from Swane. No, I don't know him. Um, but I'm glad he's living in a D-run municipality where we govern, we govern better. Alhamdulillah. Sorry, <laughs> I have to sneak that in, <laughs> Brother Shavad. Uh, so, uh, so, you know, burning of leaves, inhaling of oils, um, Atar that we use, and all of these scents, you know, form part of what we call aromatherapy. And Alhamdulillah, depending on, on certain conditions, certain fragrances, certain oils, certain leaves, uh, herbs, whatever they may be, definitely have a therapeutic benefit. We definitely use these things in Chinese medicine as well. And also there's an entire discipline called aromatherapy. Uh, where, you know, there are massage oils and so on that are used to provide relief for various conditions. Uh, my particular, and I'm, I'm saying this on a personal level, one of my most favorite scents is oud, uh, not to mention things like sandalwood and so many other fragrances and flowers that are used that produce all these great benefits. So alhamdulillah, um, there is absolutely no harm in them if they are properly used and properly prescribed and properly recommended by somebody who knows what to do with them. Because definitely some of them have different categorizations in the manner in which they are used. So we don't want to take things that are very cold for the body and use it in patients who have a cold temperament or cold disposition or lack of young, as we would say, in the body. You know, there's yin and yang in Chinese medicine. And uh, so we want it properly used so that it doesn't cause harm. Um, there are definitely some poisonous herbs and poisonous plants that if you inhale them and burn them and fragrance, they might be fragrant, but they might have harmful properties. So let those of us who are in the know of these professions uh, prescribe them and tell you how to use them. And uh, inshallah, it will be beneficial for you. So Suleiman Ba. Uh, come and ask us uh, if it is beneficial for you. You're more than happy to call me. Uh, I'll, I'll be very happy to receive your call and discuss the specific matter with you. And then, uh, you know, I also would recommend that you check with somebody who's closer to you. There are many aromatherapists there in Chuane, and there are also many Chinese medicine practitioners in Johannesburg, Chuane area. Feel free to contact us and we'll give you the best advice about what you might need to burn or inhale for a specific condition.
You know, Doc, you're talking about, yeah, Suleiman Ba. This DR, he's telling you that. DR, to Ba. I like this man, people. I like him, eh? He's a cool, he's a cool, cool doc and he's a cool human being. Uh, you know, talking about uh, burning of incense and Loban and all these things, uh, you know, you you get people even giving you, no, no, man, too much of that is like a pollution and it will clog your lungs and so forth. How do you react to people like that? No, that is correct. You know, um, certain of these things, like I said, can be quite toxic, you know, uh, so... Uh, those things that have been recommended, even the Sunnah recommends burning uh, certain incense and, and things like that. So that is good. But w- if you look at the entire production process of certain of these incense, yes, they indeed do cause a huge amount of pollution. In fact, the other day I was watching a documentary uh, about a factory in India that goes around uh, to the temples collecting the flowers that people offer there as offerings. And they recycle them. So they ex- they collect those flowers, they extract the oils from them, and then the debris that comes out of that is reinfused with those oils and very nice amount of fragrances and you know loban and all these kinds of things are produced through that process. This is actually a quite a good way to go uh, because there is a lot of wastage that goes into some of these products and the manner in which they are used. But here is a company that decided. But let us make it eco-friendly, let us make it usable, let us make it recyclable, and that is a very good thing. Oud, I mentioned to you earlier on, is also an industry that is uh, burgeoning. It's a very fast-growing industry uh, that is taking a great toll on the ecology of the environments where these things grow. And uh, Brother Shafat, we need to make sure that all of these practices of burning, of inhaling, are all, you know, sustainable. We we must use them very cautiously. And of course, um, some of these things also are, how can I put it? If I can be very blunt, you know, they are not real. So there's a lot of fake on the market of many of these things that can cause great harm to the body. So we need to be sure about where we get what we're using and use it in a manner that is very safe. I like the way you said that there are a lot of things in the market that are counterfeit people, not the real thing. And, you know, uh, they could be putting, uh, you know, substitutes in there that will be harmful to the body. Uh, how much of truth in it is that, you know, the incense that's made in India is a more, they use a lot of cow dung in it. And uh, they recently, I don't know where these were rumors are that in the spices, they're also using cow dung. And uh, whenever they make uh, the jalebis and so forth, and the sweetmeats, they're always uh, sprinkling uh, cow urine on that. Uh, I mean, you were a very close friend of Ahmadi that, and you might be laughing and yes. say, hey, Shafat, don't go there. But uh, I just want you to to, uh, to touch on that and, you know, perhaps, uh, you know, inform our listeners how uh, whether there's any truth in that, uh, Doctor. I had to mute my microphone when you met when you mentioned that, Brother Shafat. I, I know exactly what he would say in, in response to that. Uh, but and, and so it gave me a bit of a chuckle. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, look, Ayurvedic medicine has uh, the has its place, and and one of the things they call gaumutra, which is the urine of the of the cow, is quite sacred in Ayurvedic medicine. Interestingly, um, 
when when I was speaking to one of the Ayurvedic practitioners and and I you know got into this discussion with that practitioner, he said to me, but uh, in Islamic medicine, as he called it, he said you people use camel urine, and and I said that is a separate issue altogether. Here I'm talking about you know whatever Nabi Sallam mentioned in the hadith and in the sunnah, we know that you know there is benefit in it. Um, so that side of things we understand but here we're talking about things that are najis and 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 things that are also we need to ask our ulama about rather than ask me about so if our ulama say that look here cow dung itself is not napak and you know contact with it in its dry state is not napak that is one thing so it is not napak to touch but i think in terms of ingestion whether it is by inhaling it or by consuming it i don't think uh, you know they would give us jawas in that regard and the same would apply to cow urine uh, but of course that is something our mufti ak sab damat barakatuhum can tell us more about uh, but i'm not going to go into that without and 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 you know from a chinese medicine point of view if i may stick to chinese medicine which is my area of work uh, you know, there is nothing there suggesting that it may be used. Notwithstanding that, you know, there is the saying, and I mean no, absolutely no insult to the people of China, is, you know, there is the, the, the on a light-hearted note where they would say that, you know, the Chinese eat everything that flies except aeroplanes, everything on, on the face of the earth except tables and chairs, and everything under the sea except submarines. Uh, you know, so so that is said on a lighter note. Uh, of course, uh, there are parts of China where, you know, many things are consumed, particularly on the southern part of China, that you would find that people on the other side of China, on the opposite side, on the north, would consider obnoxious, and they would say that, look, the, the people of the south are dirty. These are the actual kinds of discussions that do take place. I'm being very blunt. I mean, absolutely no insult to anybody. But even in China, which is a vast and great nation, there's these types of discussions that take place amongst its own people. It's uh, quite important that uh, we have this uh, discussion also, inshallah, in our house of Islam. Uh, doctor, moving on, uh, it's, uh, this question uh, from uh, Yaqub from South Beach. He says, Assalamu alaikum, doctor. I heard that needles uh, can swim through the veins when acupuncture is not done properly. I'm so frightened now. Uh, how do you uh, respond? Uh, I mean, I've heard uh, things like this, but um, and you're the, uh, you're the specialist in this. Uh, t uh, tell us about it. Can those needles actually swim through your veins? Jazakallah, Brother Yaqub, for the questions. Walaikum salam. You know, I don't think there's any need to, to be afraid of it. We do not insert needles in the veins. <clears throat> so there is this. So, so the way it works is that there are channels in the body. These channels, of course, are not visible to the naked eye, and they are mapped out through uh, the many millennia of Chinese medicine and acupuncture that have existed. And these channels um, are taught to us, so we know where they are in the body, we know the directions that they follow, and we know the points, the various points on the body that we would use for acupuncture, and we would needle them in combination based on the pattern that would be presented to us so even if you present it to us with a cough or a cold or a or, you know arthritis or an attack of gout or whatever the condition might be uh, i'm just mentioning things that are on the top of my head we would take a history from you 
we would make an assessment or a pattern diagnosis, as we call it in Chinese medicine. We would choose the points and then we would needle those points with very fine needles. Um, of course, those needles are not always very fine. Sometimes we use quite thick needles and then the needles vary in length also depending on, on the area of the body that we need to needle. Some of the needles are very, very small. Um, you know, they just a millimeter or two in length. Sometimes we don't use needles. We would use what we call pellets or seeds that we would stick to a Chinese acupuncture point and we would stimulate it using that. So it depends what we're going to do. But we do not insert needles into veins and definitely not into arteries. Um, to try and explain what I mean by that, uh, you know, sometimes you need an infusion, a drip, or you need an injection of a certain medicine into your vein. Those needles are what go into veins. And of course, with those needles, there's always the risk. They're not actually needles. They, they a plastic catheter that ends up staying in the vein when the drip is given and the metal part is removed. Those sometimes can break, unfortunately, and they can, uh, if I can use the same term that Brother Jakob used, swim in the vein, and then they, of course, have to be removed uh, surgically. So with those needles, there are those complications. But in with, with acupuncture, we never, ever insert needles into veins. Of course, there are some very rare uh, procedures in acupuncture that are not common and not used and even not even lawful in the practice of acupuncture in South Africa where uh, it is done sometimes. There is bloodletting uh, where the veins are pricked, but in that case, there is no needle that is left in the vein. Uh, you know, certain, certain veins are punctured and allowed to bleed for certain processes. So in those cases, yes, uh, there is bleeding of veins, but the only way to let them swim in the vein, so to speak, is if they were placed there intentionally or unintentionally. Sometimes a needle might end up in a vein unintentionally, and that is a pure accident. It is not the common practice of acupuncture. So we'd like to let Brother Jakub know that uh, you know acupuncture in the right hands, in the hands of a qualified practitioner who's registered with the Allied Health Professions Council of South Africa, in our country, uh, you know, we would not find such situations happening. And I would like to allay his fears to say that it is a very safe procedure. Acupuncture is very safe, notwithstanding, of course, that there are complications that they may arise. You know, sometimes you get, um, you know, everybody's body is not exact. It is not, you know, a body is not a replica of another body. So you may find you know, an accessory nerve somewhere that should not be somewhere. And when you do insert a needle, uh, there is always the risk of nerve damage. There is always the risk of uh, damaging a blood vessel that you cannot see because it is, of course, a blind process. You cannot see what is under the skin. And so this kind of uh, damage, there is always the possibility. It is not the norm and it can happen. I remember I had acupuncture at a certain acupuncture point that I know that one of the complications is a damage of one of the nerves. It's called the posterior tibial nerve. Uh, I know I'm getting technical there, but uh, there is a nerve on, on, on the side of the, of the leg, just behind the bone that is called the tibia. It's the large shin bone. And I had acupuncture at that point, and, uh, you know, it, it did reach the nerve. It did cause quite a bit of pain. 
Uh, but fortunately, the acupuncturist who did it was a very experienced acupuncturist and was able to address the problem immediately and also alleviated my pain immediately. Uh, Alhamdulillah, I must say that the session of acupuncture was for headaches and it produced a fantastic result overall. Uh, so I too, although I'm not a fan of being needled myself, uh, if I need it, I do have the acupuncture. Well said that, uh, hey, yeah, you don't get needled quickly. He's a cool guy. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, uh, Doctor, you, you, I mean, you talk about, uh, we look at medicine has been advancing and uh, using uh, artificial intelligence and uh, so forth in its advancements. You know, last week he's talking to a dentist and he says everything is done via, he's like he's playing with a joystick when he's doing his, uh, you know, extraction and he's doing his filling, his polishing. It's all done uh, via technology. Uh, Chinese medicine, is. Uh, are you going that route or you'll still stay with the traditional route, uh, Doctor? I am quite traditionally trained, so I stick in, you know, to, to the tradition. Uh, although there are very interesting gadgets that are out now. So, for example, you get point locators. Um, so you get these little devices that you can rub over the areas where you know the points are and they are able to pinpoint where those points are. And uh, the pun is not intended when I say pinpoint and refer to acupuncture, but yeah, so be it. it uh, uh, you know, one of the things that research has shown us is that acupuncture points are points on the skin, not all of them, points on the skin that are areas of low voltage. So these devices are designed in such a way that uh, you are able to locate these points. I commonly use this in practice. Uh, to locate ear acupuncture points because there are so many points in the ear and when I'm very fussy about a particular point that I want to use then I do use a point locator uh, or a point detector as they are also known and I do find the points and use them you know so but you'll find that by far and large most or I would say the majority of acupuncturists are very traditional in the approach to uh, puncturing the points so yeah, that that is my own observation. Uh, if there if there's anybody there that's using any fancy gadgets, well, good luck to you if it's producing the results. Uh, well said. And you're talking about the ear. You know, uh, sure. I'm I'm quite intrigued because a lot of people have earache, toothaches, and so forth, eye ache. Mm -hmm. uh, but when it comes to the ear, you know, if there's a wax buildup, uh, yeah. how do Chinese, uh, you know, medicine ha deal with that, doc? Well, in, in the scope of practice in South Africa, the Chinese medicine practitioners would be ill-advised to go and interfere with something like that. The, the problem with that is that, uh, you know, you could easily perforate the eardrum if you don't know what you are doing. Uh, so if somebody is not medically trained, I would suggest that, you know, Chinese medicine practitioners in South Africa don't go and interfere with trying to take out wax. Certainly, you can't stick a needle in there and take it out. There are things like uh, ear candles that are used uh, even in China, where, you know, the ear candle is placed in the ear, it's lit, and through a process, you know, as the flame burns and gets closer to the ear, it does suck some of the wax out. But I would always advise that you see a medical practitioner to have any ear wax buildup removed. Sometimes those wax buildups are quite solid, so they need to be thinned out. And, uh, you know, there are lots of uh, eardrops. The practitioner would generally advise that you use the eardrops first to soften the wax. 
I don't like the idea of people who syringe the ears uh, because there too you can damage the eardrums. So it is always better to find a practitioner who would use a suction device and suck the wax out of the ear. That is the safest way of doing it. Uh, there are also quite a number of probes and things like that that I use. So pre preferably done by somebody who knows what they are doing. And ideally, and the best way to have wax removed from the ear is by seeing an ENT. Let them do it. You know, that's the area of work. They have the microscopes. They have the devices. They have everything that needs to be used to remove the wax from the ears. And definitely, you know, wax buildup in the ear diminishes the hearing in the ear and, and can cause all kinds of problems uh, in the long term as well. So it's best to let them deal with it. Yeah, Doc, I've got my cousin, uh, Dr. Zubair Dular Khan, I think lectures in the UCT, also won awards in the ENT specialist and so forth. So, yeah, maybe Zubair, you're listening. Yeah, I'll try the Chinese thing too. Put that uh, light the what yeah, wax candle. Yeah, wax. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if Zubair will will agree, but I do. Uh, Zubair and I know each other interestingly. Um, he spent his time in Newcastle when he was an intern. Uh, so I think that's how I know Zubair. Um, and we, I, th I think I still have his number. I must give him a ring. Yes, he's an award-winning ENT specialist. Alhamdulillah. Uh, quite an expert at uh, some of the surgery that goes on in the, uh, you know, in the in the middle ear, and so yeah, uh, if Zubair is listening, assalamualaikum. Waalaikum salam. He's my first cousin through my father, paternally uh, linked. His father is my father's youngest brother. So alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah you know, it's uh, such small, a small world, doc. Small such world, yes. Small, small yes. world indeed. You know, talking about Newcastle's how's uh, Newcastle doing, doctor? Alhamdulillah, under new management, if I can put it that way, uh, we managed to boot the ANC out of here. So we have a, a gentleman's agreement type of coalition, so no formal coalition agreement signed here. And Alhamdulillah, going well so far, uh, lots of backlogs, uh, lots of things to catch up with, lots of things that haven't been done over the years and a lot to get done. So, so far, everybody is on track in terms of wanting to deliver the services. We still have some errant officials who are giving us a hard time and don't want to cooperate, but we'll sort them out, inshallah. Uh, there has to be accountability at every level. And so far, so good. We're trying our best to try and see how we can address those things, especially if you inherit a town uh, with a budget uh, deficit an unfunded budget, so to speak, and trying to solve out solve many of the issues that are going on there while, uh, you know, the the vultures are still circling. Uh, it's a difficult situation, but inshallah, uh, we will we will manage to turn it around. So that's how Newcastle is doing from the political side. But it's a very hot day today. The evening is also quite warm. So Alhamdulillah, uh, maybe some nice lassi, brother Shavat, uh, will go down quite well to cool the evening. I wonder which one you want. You like that sweet vari variation or you like that salty type with a lot of uh, fudina in it. Hey, I think I can I can do that. And I mean, recently we've been having very, very hot days. And I tell you, um, I'm a big fan of uh, yogurt. And I was just having it with a little yeah. in a, a quarter teaspoon of uh, what you call honey. And I was just enjoying it. And as I said, I, I put the mint in. Uh, is that a good habit? I mean, it, it did cool me off, uh, doctor. Alhamdulillah, excellent uh, drink for a warm evening. 
Um, so yogurt, we know, is nice and cold for the body. A little bit of mint, which is also good and cooling for the body. Uh, some crushed ice in it. I particularly prefer the salty version for the shafat. Uh, but the honey is absolutely to taste. Uh, add it in there. Far better than adding sugar in there. Mm. Uh, that that will go a long way to cool the body down. Uh, you know, in, in Chinese medicine, uh, mint, or as the Chinese call it, boher, uh, is used uh, to cool the head down, especially. You know, it's a remedy that works on the nose, throat, eyes, and the head. So definitely something that will cool that part of the body down. Um, so great combination there you have. And it will take you a long way to cool you down. Great for the digestion and uh, certainly something quite nice. So you'll find that, uh, you know, the Chinese love the yogurt as well. You'll find in the Middle East as well. You'll find the Turkish making Iran out of it, the Turkish and Iranians. So yogurt, yeah, uh, all, of, all, all of the traditions like it and uh, great remedy there to cool down. Yeah, no, when your car is heating, don't put yogurt in the radiator, people. <laughs> mm. Yeah, except doctor will tell you, hey, you yeah. need that coolant and then water mix. Don't do the, hey, say, so you know what, Dr. Kika and Shafan, they're talking about yogurt, hey. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the, with the price of fuel, doc, I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, it's just shocking. I mean, look at the prices going up. But, you know, the baraka, Allah gives us a baraka. Going back to our questions here, saying, is it true that cupping was invented by the Chinese? Uh, this is from Zahid. He says, I'm also known as Zido. <laughs> Lovely, Zahid. Um, Lovely, they call you Zido too. Mashallah. Uh, Alhamdulillah, what a beautiful name. You know, Zahid and then uh, Brother Zido. We, I think this is a competition. You know, everybody wants to claim to, to have invented cupping. So I don't know who invented it and where it came from, but Alhamdulillah, we know from the Sunnah point of view, Nabi Karim has extolled its virtues and blessings enormously to the point that uh, we now have people trotting around all over saying they are doing Sunnah cupping. You know, this is a hot topic, you know, that we can discuss uh, for a long time. Uh, but I always... Uh, put this caveat there and this caution there that do not let anybody cup you in South Africa who is not registered with the Allied Health Professions Council of South Africa. And there are two disciplines that are registered with this council. One is Onani Medicine or Onani Tip, and the other is Chinese Medicine. Both of these professions have uh, cupping listed in their disciplines. So Brother Zaid, I don't know uh, who is going to claim to have invented it, whether it is the Chinese or whether it is the Greeks or Greco-Arabic medicine, as they call it, Unani Tib, uh, has its origins in, in Greek medicine as well. So I don't know who invented it. Uh, everybody has their claim to it. Shall I be biased, Brother Shavat, and say that because I practice Chinese medicine, the Chinese invented it, but then there will be claim in African medicine as well. Uh, because it is practiced across the African continent as well. So who invented it? I don't know. Min Allahi Ta'ala. It comes from Allah Ta'ala. And let us reap the benefits of cupping. So, you know, this issue of sunnah cupping and sunnah days. Yes, Nabi Karim Wasallam has mentioned um, certain days of the month that are beneficial 
for cupping and if you want to have cupping on those days then very good uh, he has also made prohibition so the middle of the month the full moon is not uh, is not a day on which you want to cup but the most important sunnah and, and this is what i say i say the most important sunnah is that he went to a physician to do the cupping he didn't just find somebody and say call somebody sitting on the side of the road or he didn't just call somebody and say you know what come here and cup me we always went to a a physician and and the physician did the cupping somebody who knew how to do cupping and here in south africa people we find people who are doing the short causes weekend causes one week causes two week causes and you know they know nothing about how the body works they know nothing about the physiology of the body they do not know anything about disease somebody told them that look here if somebody got high blood pressure then you cut these points and that person probably was not even a physician who taught them these things anyway there are people offering these causes who learn from people who are not physicians themselves they'll tell you that uh, these are the points for arthritis of the knee joint cut them but they know nothing about arthritis so for example in chinese medicine we always say that cupping is a reducing therapy so that means that if there is excess in the body we use it Uh, bleeding that means where we bleed patients so we won't cup a patient that is deficient for example so somebody who is weak who is frail who has a fever uh, very young children patients who have cancer although i do cup patients with cancer but depending on the condition of the body that we will determine after we have sat down with the patient consulted with them and made a determination of whether they will need cupping if they need cupping what kind of cupping and also where the cupping must be done there are also certain contraindications of cupping that means we don't cup pregnant women on the belly for example or on the lower back uh, so so there are various considerations when it comes to cupping so brother zaid although you are asking a question about who invented cupping uh, there is a very broad topic about cupping and i would always caution that always go to somebody who knows what they are doing don't go to people and then also why i say that you must go to a, a registered practitioner i've seen in my practice because there are people even in my town who do cupping or even come to my town and 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 want to do cupping here who don't know or have the faintest clue of what they are doing we then have to deal with the complications of what they leave behind so they come here they cup people they go away and then those people end up with all kinds of problems and then we have to end up dealing with the complications when those people are gone but registered practitioners one of the reasons why we have the allied health professions council of south africa is to protect the public that's the fundamental and primary reason why this council exists and where practitioners are re- registered so if somebody does something to you that harms you you can always report it and if the practitioner is registered there is recourse in ensuring that that person doesn't go on causing harm to the public so we see things like that happening you know there is a point that if, you know in our traditional medicine forms we know that if we cut this point it will cause great harm to the memory of the person and i saw such a patient not too long ago come into my practice with a big scar cup scar in that area and i asked the person you know what happened here so he said no i had cupping done and i said but do you know that this point that has been cupped in you will cause a great problem for your memory no i didn't know that obviously you wouldn't know that but you put your trust into the hands of somebody who you thought would know that 
but rather that person ends up causing more harm for you than good. But inshallah, that person that for whom it was done, we were able to uh, rectify the problem to some extent. And alhamdulillah, the person is fine. But you can get serious complications arising out of cupping. And therefore, I always say, make sure that it is done by a registered practitioner, not somebody who tells you that they are registered with a voluntary association. That doesn't help in any way. And I take this strong stance and I stand by it no matter what anybody says. You know, doctor, you're talking about the gypsy copper syndrome. And uh, many years ago, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a good term. Uh, we we had many, yeah, you know, many of them coming through and, uh, you know, I'm from Yemusri. I know with that accent and all that. And when we started uh, Radio Newly, I'm talking about in the 2000s. And, uh, you know, Ibrahim Genghis and I say, but chef, you're doing the medical show. Uh, yeah. Check this all out. So I say, hey, no, man, yeah. hey, sounds exciting. We used to bring them on. Then we had another guy from India. He say, you know, brother, yeah. chef, that. I can cure everything besides oh, death. No. No, I got no. the gold medal, Shafat Bhai. Hey, I said, oh, another talk. I tell you, these guys took us for a ride. And, you know, the amount of calls they used to get, and then we used to repeat the shows 10 times, 20 times. And these guys used to get happy, keep on phoning us every week. We said, no, brother, you're very popular. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll put you on next week. But, you know, in hindsight, we actually, you know, we, we should have, uh, I mean, we didn't have people like you screening these people, uh, you know. Mm. Now it's quite imperative that you're making a very vocal, a very vociferous stance here that we need to check them out, even in your hometown. This person is doing cupping. How are they cupping you if they cup you wrongly? And as you said, you know, uh, the ordinary barber will say, no, I can do cupping. And then you'll find a guy that's, uh, you know, for a sideline, he said, yeah, I just qualified. And as you said, he did maybe a two weeks course. I mean, it doesn't work that way, Doc. It doesn't work that way. No. I think you need to impose this point. Gee, you know, and, you know, I mean, in, in my own practice for, for wet cupping, I imported sterile cups. I don't even, I don't even use those sets that come that I will use for dry cupping, you know, where, you know, I'm not going to bleed the patient or the patient doesn't have very thin skin that, you know, we can cause harm. For those patients, we use sterile cups. We clean the areas. We don't just take those cups, you know, wash them in some sunlight liquid and then reuse them. We use, you know, completely sterile, not just surgically clean cups, but sterile cups. So we go to that extent. And then you get all these people that go around with this cupping set that they just bleed somebody. You know, there's diseases that can be transmitted through these cups. So there's a whole lot of consideration. So please, uh, again, we urge people, and I, I love that, you know, the, the, the gypsy cuppers, because you still have them, and they're still going around. They still come here. Uh, not too long ago, somebody even called me, Brother Shavad, to say, can we use your rooms to do cupping? Oh, a, a friend of my late father, he called me, he said, no, I want to have cupping done, but there's this guy, you know, and I said, no, you can come, I'll do the cupping for you. Uh, but certainly you can't, uh, you know, I'm not going to lend my rooms to anybody to do anything like this, you know. First, the person, you know, is he's being called a quack. We don't even know, you know, where this person came from. So definitely not. And then, you know, so so we must be very careful, very careful. There are too many considerations. It's actually a procedure. It's like, it's like a surgical procedure, wet cupping, because an incision is being made into your skin. And there's blood involved, there's, there's tissue involved. There's so many considerations when it comes to all of that. 
you can't just take a razor blade and just go cut, cut somebody and put some cuffs there. Yes, they are it's being traditionally practiced all over the world. And yeah, Rob, you know, may Allah Ta'ala bring us into an understanding of where medicine is uh, in this day and age and the knowledge that Allah Ta'ala has given us to understand these things and so that we can better appreciate what we are doing, uh, you know, and, and put your health in the hands of people that know what they are doing because Allah Ta'ala says, it reminds us in the Quran, Fas'alu ahl dhikr you know, ask the people who know. Uh, there is an ayat to that effect in the Quran. Fas'alu ahl dhikr in kuntum la ta'arimun. You know, let, let us ask the people, let us go to the people who know. We, we When it comes to our deen, we want to go to the ulama. When it comes to our health, we want to go to qualified practitioners. You know, just um, there's that Urdu saying, you know, Neem Hakim Khatre Jan, you know, a Hakim that is lukewarm, that is half a Hakim. He is a danger to your life. It's like, you know, the, the ulama that, uh, uh, you know, is a neem sheikh, you know, there's a half sheikh, he's a khatri iman, you know, he's a danger to your iman. Similarly, you know, we don't want to just take advice from just anybody and put our health in just anybody's hands. Let us put it into the hands of the people that know. Yeah, tried and tested. And as you said, you know, you are well known, you're a public figure also, you you know, you've made your mark in Newcastle. And people know you, the confidence is here. And these individuals, and then they will give you references like, oh, yeah, I know you talk to Mr. Mia, I cup him. You know, he's uh, good. Oh, you, you, you know what they do, doctor? They throw names. And uh, yeah. I mean, advise people about this. Throwing names, uh, I mean, that, yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't work. Talk to me about it. No, no, definitely. I mean, uh, you know, name dropping and, and, you know, things like that is very dangerous. Even, you know, you'll say, oh, my Ustad was so-and-so. My teacher was so-and-so. Maybe your teacher was somebody, you know, he should have schooled you a little bit better. It's like me, you know, I, I spent time with one, one of the greatest uh, Hakims in, in Pakistan. I spent two years sitting with him. But after that, do I go and claim that I am a great Hakim because I uh, spent some time uh, in, in, in his company and some of his knowledge rubbed off on me? Can I claim to be a great Hakim and then go and tell the whole dunya that, you know what, I am a student and Shagir of so-and-so, and then, you know, because of that, you must let me do this X, Y, and Z. You know, it doesn't work like that, you know. So we, we need to be very careful about, again, and as I said, you know, don't don't be impressed by these things. Check the person out. The problem we're having now, whether it is with acupuncture, which is called auricular acupuncture, you, you know, you're getting all these people mushrooming up everywhere. It's the same problem that we are having with cupping. They're claiming to be doing acupuncture and they're claiming to be acupuncturists and causing far greater harm in the country to people. We're having a very difficult time as a council, and 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 you will recall, Brother Shafat, I, I'm currently the chairperson of the professional board on Chinese medicine, Gee. acupuncture, Unani medicine, and Ayurveda. We're having an enormous, um, a huge problem of uh, people that are being harmed by these people. So we're seeing these things, and you know we're having to deal with them. Unfortunately, our recourse is to report them to the South African Police Services. But the police themselves are in such a state. I, I, I know you follow me on social media, so you would have seen that last week we were very busy visiting police stations. Mm. Uh, you know, after those police station visits, you know, I think to myself, you know, reporting these chaps to the police stations uh, is quite useless. In as much as a case is opened against them, and you know they are reprimanded, you know they some sometimes if you're lucky, you you'll get the police to go and arrest them. And then they come out on bail the next day and carry on like nothing happened. 
you know, they pay the 500 bail and carry on like nothing happened because the police themselves are so incapacitated when it comes to fighting major crime uh, that, you know, they, they really are not very concerned about these people. But the, the thing is, uh, this mustn't be a license to carry on doing what is what is the wrong thing. And so the greater responsibility is on the public to make sure that what you are doing is the right thing. And unfortunately, many of them have pieces of paper. And these days, very easy to go and sit on a computer and print out a certificate on your own if you want and go to a stationery store and buy a seal and put it on the certificate and then and put it in a beautiful frame and on the wall of, of uh, practice and, and uh, you know, and say that here, here, there's my certificate. Look, I'm registered. So registered by who? You could be registered by anybody that, you know, you get together with 10 people and form your own organization. And that's exactly what is happening. That is exactly what is happening in the country. And so we are inundated by not only those people that are doing cupping, but we are also inundated by those people that are doing acupuncture. There's, there's the guy going around the country training people to do detox. they are calling it. So uh, they're, they're, it's called the NADA protocol, an detox that is being used for uh, people who have addiction problems. But they've seen this opportunity that, you know, we can treat so many other things because there is this discipline in Chinese medicine called auricular acupuncture that can treat quite a number of conditions in the body through points on the ears. So they've seen this opportunity and they are abusing it. But in the long term, they, are, they don't know how to differentiate between the diseases, illnesses, syndromes and patterns that are seen in Chinese medicine and acupuncture and certainly in Unani medicine as well. And therefore, they are unable to properly treat people and incompletely treat people. So what happens is you end up with all these problems uh, that they leave the patient lingering with, you know, incomplete treatment. And then we have to deal with it. I'm not saying that. We, we don't want to deal, but the problem could have been properly addressed in the first place. You know, doctor, you make a, a good point there, and you talk, use the term quacks. And, you know, when you talk about quacks, you find these other quacks, you know, uh, mama herbalist uh, advertising, I can fix your marriages, I can do this for you, and they can do that for you, and they'll get you lux and this. You know, the shocking part is that we find that quite a few of our people are going to people like this. I mean, this is tantamount to shirk. And uh, have you noticed that uh, with these uh, quacks of that sort, you know, they uh, believe in uh, they so-called, they call it fortune telling and so forth. Um, do they also say, no, don't worry, we'll give you a cut here and they will maybe we'll uh, do some bloodletting for you and so forth. Uh, what do you do? Because as African culture, most Africans are animist and they believe in things like this. And, uh, you know, this, uh, this, uh, this tsunami is catching on and getting some of our of our people, you know, that uh, they don't know that they're actually uh, committing shirk by going to these people. Uh, you know, how do you advise them against this, uh, doctor? You know, they, I have a lot of respect for one or two of these practitioners of what is called ruqya. Uh, so, you know, where they would recite the kalam of Allah over these various conditions uh, to give them shifa. But I, I have respect for a couple of them because what they would do is whilst they are doing the recitation of the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because we know that the shifa in it, they will they they will send those people to me. They will say, go there to to Dr. Kika and, and whoever else is is you know a, 
a registered practitioner in these fields with the Allied Health Professions Council of South Africa, they can refer these patients there in a similar manner. Let us look at those patients. While you do your thing, uh, let us do our thing. So we would also then consult with the patient and say, look, yes, you have this problem. Let me decide what those points are that need cupping. I won't tell you that, look, go away. I'm not going to do the cupping for you. I'll do it for you, whether it is dry cupping, wet cupping, whatever the different forms of cupping that exist. Let us decide uh, and we'll do it for you. And so come and see us for that. Uh, so where these all these other people, you know, are advertising on street corners and light poles and uh, electric boxes to be able to do all kinds of things, may Allah tell us, save us from it. Um, it, you know, I'll I'll leave the the discussion of that to our muftis. Let them tell us about it. You know, definitely you are you have touched on the point of shirk, uh, shirk fisad. You know, you in in the zat of Allah Taala. You know, uh, we 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 cannot go and see these people and and then accept any form of treatment from them, whether it is herbs, whether it is a cut here and there, whether it is the application of a cup or the Taoists that they give people or whatever they do, we should just stay far away from these things. Allah Ta'ala has provided, if you want, in the kalam of Allah Ta'ala, you know, shifa, let us see those of our ulama uh, who do these things properly, not who are there uh, to scam people. Just to give you an example, I, uh, you know, although I'm going completely off the topic of Chinese medicine now, I had a patient, you know, that uh, said to me and I, I he was a patient being treated by me for chronic kidney disease and he he ended up seeing one of these people um, a Molvi actually somebody who called himself Molana that came from uh, from from India and that uh, offered to give him some homeopathic treatment I listened to his story and I said, look, there won't be any harm in, in those remedies that he gave it to them. But I don't want you to take them because he's not a homeopath, he's an alim. But also he decided that, look, I need to perform a certain amal for you so that uh, you will be cured of or relieved of your condition. So this person, Brother Shafat, uh, said to him that he needs to slaughter a cow for him and that he must be given 10,000 rands for it. And... Uh, this person said, yeah, all right, we'll give you the money to slaughter the cow. But he also said to him, look, I, I also need to do an amal. You need to give me a room of yours in your house where I can perform this amal. And uh, interestingly, this fellow got caught in this house because, you know, in the, in the olden days, they built houses that had above the door, they had these little windows. So this fellow sat in this room. I'm cutting the long story short. He sat in this room. He took a piece of paper that he showed them before, a blank piece of paper, and he said to them, look at this paper. This paper has nothing written on it, but when I come out of this room, I will show you there's something on this paper. So what he did when he went into the room, he took a white crayon, and he made all kinds of markings, random markings on them, crosses and marks and all these kinds of things. He asked them to make a fire in a braai stand in, in the room for him so that he can do this amal. So all he did was he made, after he made these markings with the wax crayon on it he held it over the fire and of course it left an impression on the on the paper you know if you put wax on a paper it would leave a stain on the paper came out from the room and he says look it is some isai it's some isai some christian did this jadu on you look at it look at this paper there are crosses on it so 
what happened was somebody was the son of this person was observing him from the top and caught him. So didn't give him the money also and caught him also and told other people about him also. So stay away from these people. Stay away from the people that are doing all these funny things. Go to people that are genuine and that we know that they are doing. They come with proper credentials and proper references. You know, Yalva, you know, Brother Shafat, it's very painful the number of people that are caught up in all of these things. May Allah Ta'ala save us and may Allah Ta'ala keep us uh, away from these people and may Allah Ta'ala make it easy for these people to get caught like how this man got caught so that they mm. don't dupe people and take people for a ride. 10,000 rand and and, and I'm, I'm like this, Ajib, you know. Uh, so fortunately in this case, this fellow got caught. So we must stay away from these people and, and stay away from what is Napak and Najis. Let us take advice from our ulama. Let us go to those people that, you know, come with credentials. You know, there, there is an Amil that comes from Bangladesh very often to South Africa. And and he, he I met him, he's a Khalifa of my Sheikh, Rahimahullah, of Hakim Akhtar Saab. And Hakim Saab, you know, when, when he first came, when, when he, he came to Karachi on one of his visits, Hakim Saab even said to me, Rahmatullah, he said to me, Go to him, go and see what this man is doing and go and learn something from him. You know, he will, he will teach you something, inshallah. So we met him and alhamdulillah, every time he comes to South Africa, if there are any patients like this that need these things, I always tell them, here is a man. This man, we know him, we know his work. He comes recommended. I, I spend time in his company and he is a khalifa of a great sheikh and uh, of, of many shuyukh in the world. So we know that this is not a bogus man, for example. So if a man like this comes and we give his credentials, then yes, this is a man that you should see, that you should take this kind of elage from. But other people, you know, I'm not saying that they are not genuine people out there and that everybody is a charlatan and a crook. Uh, but we, we should only see people who, where we know these people, you know, are people of Iman. These people are people um, who will not you know, take us away from our iman and onto the path of shirk, you know, so and make us do things that will will take us away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and take us onto the path of shaitan. You know, so so when it comes to cupping also, same advice. If you want to do it for the sunnah, let those of us do it who, who know what we are doing. Absolutely, Dr. Imran Kika, and you know, Jazakallah Khair for a brilliant consultation and for all those, uh, you know, uh, warning signs that, that you have given us and alhamdulillah Allah bless you for that i really enjoyed uh, the manner and how you delivered uh, those uh, the, the facts that came through and inshallah as the doctor says keep away from those quacks those charlatans and those uh, that are taking the ummah for a ride <laughs> doctor you won't believe it we have run out of time but uh, you got a minute uh, to round up uh, what's your parting words have we already run out of time alhamdulillah time flies you know tempest fugit as they say in in latin <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Brother Shafat, uh, time is a very precious thing. Um, and and we, we need to use our time very, very wisely and do those things that bring us closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in everything that we do, even, even when it comes to our health. So we must always practice those good habits that Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught us in our eating, in our sleeping, in our ibadat. In, in everything that we do, because these things will not only bring us closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by acting on the sunnah, 
but will make us better human beings by making us healthier and more productive. If we are healthier, we'll be more productive. You hurt your foot a little bit, you can't walk, then you can't even make your ibadat properly. So always make sure that those things that we do are clean and sober habits that will keep us able to observe those things that are good and keep us in the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always. So our health is a is a ni'mah. You know, there is the saying, if I remember, was it Imam Ghazali that said this, that health is a crown worn on the head of the healthy that only the sick can see. So when, you know, the ni'mah goes away, they say, you know, when the ni'mah of health goes away, then you realize, so it's not only health, but any ni'mah that goes away, then you will realize, you know, what that ni'mah was. So look after yourself, eat well, sleep enough, listen to your body, and, and, and visit those of us that are involved in this holistic approach to health to put you onto the path of good health, inshallah. See your doctor, take your chronic medication. I always say correct your vitamin D because it is an important, very, very important little hormone that has so many functions. Go to your doctor, get the blood test done, correct it because many, many things go away from there. I always tell people, Brother Shafat, stay away from wheat and corn. Many of your illness conditions will go away. Uh, like I always say, of course, many of my colleagues and practitioners will say that I'm talking nonsense, but this is from my own experience. And then I always say, you know, those who see the doctor only when sick are like those who dig a well only when thirsty. And then it's too late. So always prevention is better than cure. Inshallah, take that advice, keep these things in mind. And inshallah, Allah ta'ala grant everybody shifa who is not well. And also keep everybody well who are well. And with that, in, inshallah, may Allah ta'ala accept our duas and keep us on, on the straight path, inshallah. Inshallah, Doctor, you go well and already a big pleasure having you on Marcus Sahaba, the voice of the Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. A blessed evening indeed. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi Yes, our listeners, don't go anywhere. It's time for us to go for the Isha Azan and inshallah we will continue with the pertinence punctuated.